You've read or heard or preached the scripture this week. Now what? Join me, Pastor Carissa, and my colleague, Pastor Alan, as we explore the spaces between the Sundays in our podcast, Soft Idolatry. Welcome to Soft Idolatry, Season 4, Episode 9. Wow, what a what a calm and easy time to be in ministry, right, Carissa? Oh, man, up yours. <laughs> <laughs> if you're having a calm and easy time in ministry right now, my friend, like, you are just not paying attention to anything around in- you. <laughs> Or not working, or... or... Yeah, well, yeah, I guess it's easy to say it's a calm and relaxing time to be ministry when you've been on vacation for two weeks. Uh, That was a calm and relaxing time. If if only I could say that I never looked at my email or responded to phone calls or texts from members while I was on vacation. You know, depending on the nature of my vacation, and I know everybody has different boundaries on this, but as someone with an anxiety disorder, for me, it's it's better to just answer an email real fast every once in a while if it's urgent or like respond to a text than to completely just come back to a, an obliterated inbox full of little stuff I could have answered in two seconds. I, I am so with you on that um there's there's just yeah a million and a half emails to respond to if you don't even look at them while you're away and yes i had a member die while i was away um i mean this is ministry this this happens and um you know she was 87 she had a massive stroke she never regained consciousness Mm. So it wouldn't have made a difference if I had been there or taken a phone call right when it happened. Yeah. So, um, you know, it, it's it's a reminder that sometimes there really is nothing you can do. Yeah. And sometimes there is. Um, so, yeah, it, there, there are certain people whose emails can be responded to easily, and uh, it's not a big deal if one of my members sends me a text on a Sunday saying, I really like the person that you had for pulpit supply. Uh, it's really easy just to respond and say, thanks. Right. Yeah. It's, it's just a really simple thing. And, and that doesn't feel like work work either. Mm-hmm. I do have this one sweet congregant who I love so much. She's wonderful. And we we text regularly, um, probably every day or other other day, just, you know, anything from church stuff to just, you know, how you doing, how are your dogs, those kind of things. And she's so good at not texting me anything at all while I'm on mm-hmm. vacation, even though, you know, a, you know, a picture of her dog doing something silly would be totally fine while I'm on vacation. Um, it's just so sweet to have some folks that are so respectful of those boundaries. But yeah, if it's just a, hey, that was a really nice speaker you had, or even sometimes if I'm traveling abroad, I'll have people check in just, you know, hey, how are you doing? How can we be praying? Those kind of things I think are totally appropriate. Yeah, I, pe- people knew what I was doing with some of my vacations, so I would get questions like, you know, how was Cape May? Did you end up going? That sort of yeah. thing. And, uh, and, and yeah, again, there's, it was not, it didn't feel like my vacation was shattered. 
because I was responding to somebody's text or email. Um, I will even admit that I took, um, I, I got asked to do a funeral for someone who wasn't a member while I was on vacation. And I said, yeah, sure. You know, it was, it was easy enough to do. And it just, it wasn't like, you know, wasn't like I had to carry the weight uh, of managing the emotions of my congregation. And I think that's where vacation really comes in. Yes. Yeah. I, I think there's kind of kind of two things going on. We're not telling anyone to have like dear pastors, hear me. Um, do not let your boundaries be too porous, but know what they are and know what your limits are and what's what works well for you. I think that's very different for everyone, um, depending on, on how you roll and, and what your congregation is, is like and the nature of the things that you're you're being asked to attend to. Um, I, and, you know, vacation is a weird concept right now. I don't know if we've mentioned this on the podcast before, but we're recording during the COVID pandemic. <laughs> the what? Yeah, I know. So it's the first time we've touched on that. Uh, go figure in a year. No, it's, <laughs> it feels like that's all we talk about. But um, so, I mean, so vacation's a little weird in that way, right? Um, I'm even more willing to have weird vacation boundaries now because that means I don't feel guilty about taking an afternoon to go for a hike or something if I just really need that time. Um, because I think we we have different needs at different times for that. Um, I feel for me this past year, what I don't need is a week off. I've done that actually at the holidays, which was nice, but generally speaking... What I need is a weekend away to like the, the cabin we're going to this weekend, or I just need an afternoon to go wander around in the park by my house. What I don't need is a full, you know, you can't have a full vacation traveling right now. You, you can't, but the flip side of that is having a whole week without meetings. That is golden. That is a golden <laughs> yeah. thing right there. Yes. Um, yeah. yeah. And I'm noticing, <laughs> I noticed that this week, like meetings are picking back up after the holiday season again. Yep. And uh, sorry, listeners, my dog decided to be in the room with me. So he's just going to be here. Um, yeah. So I think the other thing that's going on, too, is that technology makes it easier to address simple issues while vacation. So we don't have a stack of tiny crap waiting for us when we get back. You know, um, even 10 or 20 years ago, not everybody had access to email. Uh, 10 years ago, text messaging wasn't as big of a thing as it is now. And so now we do have those ways that we can check in with folks and address small issues so we're not just being nibbled by ducks when we get back. Yeah, and, and that's, yes, I think you have summed it up well. And it's interesting that you bring up the idea of different people having different needs, particularly pastors having different needs, because, well, that's one of the major themes in the reading that both of us are preaching on this coming Sunday. That was a great transition. <laughs> you get props for that. I have my yeah, moments. That, and I wasn't even like offering that up as a softball or anything. Um, you're right. We, we are uh, both preaching on uh, 1 Corinthians 8 
this week, uh, which is the a passage that's a it often gets overlooked. And in fact, three of the four commentaries I read this week started off with this passage often gets overlooked because who cares about idle meat anymore? Right. I mean, that's that's exactly what I put in my weekly email to our Sunday school teachers to, to say, you know, this seems really strange. We can't relate to this. But the thing is, it's not really about meat. No, it's not. Uh, it's about community and freedom and interacting with one another. It is also about idolatry, which, you know, is one of our recurring themes. It, it may be. It may be. Uh, yeah, but not necessarily about idolatry as in the pagan idols that that meat has been sacrificed to. There's there's actually a different type of idolatry that's at the heart of it. Correct. But let's start with the basics of Greco-Roman society and what's going on in this text. Um, in the first century, most people did not have access to large quantities of meat. Uh, our American diet, with its reliance on animal protein, and, and I say this as someone who consumes entirely too much animal protein, um, is something that no one in the ancient world could have related to. Even the, the very rich would not have related to that. But we need to be aware of what the patterns were. Most people would have eaten a lot more grains and vegetables. Um, you know, what, what, what did Roman emperors promise to people? Bread and circuses. Uh, this is this is a completely different dietary reality. Now, people who were really wealthy would have eaten meat more regularly, but they would not have had it in anywhere near the quantities to which we as 21st century Americans are accustomed. The poor would have had almost no meat at all. They would have had some access to it. And this is where the idols come in. Yes. So there's these pagan idols that meat is being offered to, but it's a different sort of sacrifice than the way that um, Jewish custom would have sacrificed. In fact, the word that Paul uses in 1 Corinthians is different than the word that is used to refer to sacrifice in the Jewish temples. And after this meat's been offered to the idols, it's sold in the butcher shops. Um, or it's distributed to the poor. Yes. Um, many of these, um, these ritual uh, sacrifices are done as parts of celebrations for various pagan gods, Greco-Roman gods. And, uh, for instance, there might be um, a shipbuilder's guild. You know, these are all of the men in, let's say, Corinth, who are busy <clears throat> building and repairing boats and ships. And 
they dedicate their guild to the god Poseidon. And once a year, there is a festival to Poseidon. So they will uh, have a feast and they will sacrifice a lot of meat and they will offer this meat to everyone in the guild or maybe even everyone in the community. So this is going to be a chance for the people who have a lot less meat in their diet to eat the meat, especially if they are, say, guild members. Yeah. Um, so this is where the Corinthian Christians who um, Paul is talking to in this particular passage, this is... Um, where they, where they make their argument that um, eating this meat isn't a big deal. Um, it it ha doesn't have any kind of magical, mystical qualities for having been offered to these idols. That's just how you got meat. <laughs> and, and Paul actually goes one step further and says, you know, not only is that how you get meat, but... There is only God. The only God is the God of Israel, the God of Abraham. All of these other pagan gods aren't real. So if they're not real, it really doesn't matter to us that this meat was sacrificed in front of some empty, meaningless idol. We know that there is only God, we know that uh, their beliefs are mistaken. So it's really not a problem. We can go ahead and eat that meat. Yeah, and I love how he, he does that to kind of soften the blow of what he's ready to say next. You know, he says, he says to them, you're right. You're, you have theologically sound argument here about why it's okay for you uh, in particular to eat this meat but he has an awfully big but then <laughs> at the end of that um which you know um he goes on to talk about there are some christians for whom their faith is shaky they've come out of these religions these greco-roman religions and eating this meat for them could make their minds and hearts wander back away from the one and only God that matters. And think about it. If you are getting your early instruction in this, in God, in the God of Abraham, in God the Father, you're probably going to run across the Ten Commandments. You're probably going to hear this commandment against idolatry. There's a reason we started would... with the Ten Commandments. <laughs> right, exactly. And so you hear this, and then you see your brothers and sisters in Christ eating meat that was sacrificed to Poseidon or Zeus or, you know, some other Greco-Roman god. It doesn't make sense. How do you square that circle? And what Paul is saying is, these are new believers. They are weak in the faith. That, that is, they haven't spent a lot of time in the faith, as opposed to some of the people who might have been practicing Jews who have come to accept that Jesus is the Messiah. That's a very different starting point for your faith 
than someone who was raised in the pagan polytheistic culture and has just recently converted to this new faith. Yeah, I think there are so many great layers and themes happening here. And, um, you know, the first is be kind to new believers as they are trying to figure out which way is up. <laughs> Help them learn the Christianese. You know, we talk about all these these words and things in church that we don't teach newcomers. We just assume that they'll figure it out. And if they don't, it's because they're not trying hard enough. And, and Paul says, go easy on them. <laughs> yeah. Right. Paul says, go easy on them. And then Paul goes a step further and says, we need to practice some yes. humility. Yeah, I love where he says, if if my eating meat might cause one of them to stumble, then I'm not going to eat it ever again. Yeah, what's really most important is this community of believers. You know, the the the, the church, in this case, the, the congregation at Corinth, but the church with a capital C is the is supposed to be a beacon to all. It is supposed to witness to the love of God in the world. And if, and Paul is saying, if I am in this congregation insisting that, no, it's okay for me to eat whatever I want to eat, and that causes a fracture in the community, then it is not an effective witness to the love of God in the world. It is an ineffective witness, and it weakens the community. Loving the people around you that God has called you into community with, that Christ has gathered together as the church, is more important than proving that you are right. Yeah, and, you know, I remember uh, a friend of mine who was going through a divorce, and she said that the thing the marriage counselor kept saying to her and her ex-husband was, do you need to be right or do you need to be loved? Yeah. And that's really the proposition that Paul starts with. Knowledge puffs up, love builds up. And yes, Paul and other believers know that deep down there is nothing wrong with eating any meat that was sacrificed anywhere. Uh, there is only God, and, you know, yeah, that's fine. That's knowledge. Paul knows that. Paul knows that those other gods with a lowercase g are not real. They have no power. But, and it's a big but. I like big but. buts, and I cannot lie. Sorry, today is my turn to break out in a pop <clears throat> song. You, you other apostles can't deny. <laughs> uh, no, no, no. The, we, the, the next couple lines we probably shouldn't no, we get should into jokes probably, about. No, we should probably move past. Stick yeah, to, let's the to the theology. <laughs> so yeah, but Paul is saying, uh, don't get in the way of someone else's faith. The most important thing that we do is we stand as a witness to God's love in the world 
So to do that, you have to love everybody in the congregation and you have to work to live into that, even if it means giving up something that you really, really like. Yes. Yeah. So it's not about meat and it's not about idolatry directly. It's about freedom. But it's, it's about freedom. It's about love. And I think that in the 21st century, what we need to remember is that love is still the most important thing. And we can, without realizing it, make an idol out of freedom. Yes. We can love our own prerogative so much that we worship that and let it get in the way of our faith let it get in the way of how we relate to one another and lose sight of the call to love one another as God has loved us. Yeah. I mean, the church is called to be a radically different sort of community than what we see in the world around us. And that means not relying so heavily sometimes on uh, what we see is our individual freedoms that we as Americans have a right to, uh, but looking to the well-being of the people around us. And I, I think that, you know, we, t- we talked about this before recording. The most obvious uh, example of that right now is wear your freaking mask, people. Um, are you free to not wear a mask? Sure. Um, you know, but that's dangerous for the people around you. Um, I heard an argument the other day too. Even if you don't believe they are effective, you walking into Target without your mask on is scaring people and making other people anxious. Why would you not just put a mask on to avoid that? Make everyone feel safer um, and keep them safer. I I believe that masks are effective. There's a lot of big backup for that. Do I like wearing one? No, of course not. Nobody likes to wear them. I just got back from the gym. I wore one on the treadmill. I'm doing interval training. I'm running on the treadmill. My goodness, I do not want to wear a mask when I am jogging on a treadmill. I really, really, really want to get all the breath I can get. And that is the, and I will say, it's the only place where it feels like I can't get quite enough air. Even though deep down, I probably still do actually get completely enough air and it's just my need for better conditioning. There's an awful lot of science (laughs) that would back that up as well. Yes, that you just really need to be on the treadmill more. (laughs) Correct. Correct. So, uh, you know, it's not easy. I don't want to do it, but it is courtesy. And I would also add that Yes, we have a wide spectrum of beliefs about the efficacy of masks. And yes, I agree that they are an effective way to slow or prevent the spread of this particular disease. I also know how I feel when I see someone who isn't wearing a mask. Every time I see somebody not wearing a mask, I start getting ready for a fight. Yes. And when everybody around me is wearing a mask, that anxiety does not exist. Mm -hmm. 
And of course, some you, you see some people sporting the the nose hammock, and you think about maybe saying something, or you think about maybe saying something to staff, but you don't. I don't. Um, and again, it, it's that's a lower level of anxiety. That's not like being two treadmills away from the guy who is trying to jog and doesn't have a mask on at all. That would uh, that would freak me out. I'd probably just leave. But, um, you know, when we are in enclosed spaces and we see people not wearing masks or not wearing them correctly, it induces anxiety because you just feel like there's a fight coming. Yeah, and all that to say, <laughs> this is a, a perfect example of what Paul is talking about. If you're wearing a mask can protect people from um, a deadly disease and from that sort of anxiety, then by all means wear a mask, even though technically speaking, you are free to expose yourself to COVID in whatever ways you like. Um, it's not nice to the people around you to do that. And the people around you matter. They freaking matter. Um, and as Christians, it's our responsibility to care about the people around us. I would venture to make another argument, and this is one that's probably a little more uh, contra controversial, but I'm just going to dive right in on this one um i'm thinking about gun laws <laughs> right now <laughs> yeah. um you know i am not necessarily an advocate of making guns entirely illegal and not letting private citizens own them but i think we're super duper lax in our preparing people to own them and in our our regulations regarding what sorts of guns people like private citizens are able to own right and so it, it it's interesting that you bring this up because of course while we were in seminary working on our MDivs, we had the um, the shooting at the Sandy elementary Hook. school at Sandy yeah. Hook, and I remember um, a colleague of ours who, in this context, will remain nameless, uh, saying the Sunday after that. Hey folks, I am really, really upset. I am so angry about this that I can't preach on it this mm. Sunday. So I need to sit on this for a little while, but rest assured, I will talk about this from the pulpit. And then when it came time for that sermon, it was a sermon about idolatry. Mm. And the test that this pastor put out there was if you cannot question it, if there can be no debate about it whatsoever, it's yes. an idol. And so if you can't even have the conversation about what are appropriate limitations on the Second Amendment, then you might have an idol. And then you have a theological problem yes. because you are worshiping something without realizing that you are worshiping it. And that's where, that's what brings us back to the text. This, it becomes an unwitting object of yeah. worship uh, where 
you know, the intellectual argument in this text is, oh, those those idols are two gods that do not exist. Doesn't matter. I can eat it. I am free to eat it. And I can still be a faithful follower of Jesus. And Paul says, yeah, you can be a faithful follower of Jesus, but if you want to be more faithful, remember you got to love your neighbors, including the ones who are new in this faith. And that is way more important than your individual freedom to eat that. Yes. Yeah. If, if you're eating that meat might cause someone to stumble or, or stagger in their faith, then don't eat meat. If, um, you know, you're not wearing a mask, make someone's, uh, you know, at risk or afraid, wear your mask. Um, if, you know, you have a right as a private individual to own an AK-47, um, but you know that that's the kind of weapon that is, is used in certain types of, of horrible violence, then why do you, you know, why do you need it? That, like Christ calls us to give up certain personal freedoms for the sake of others. Correct. Yeah. So, yeah, that's the um, that's the meat of this uh, passage. That's some rotten, Sorry. That's rotten meat right there. <laughs> uh, well, I think we have really mined the depths of this passage. I think we pounded that idol meat. Uh, yeah, yes. Pretty hard. Yeah, it's tender now. We can toss it in the oven. Yes, yes. Well, shall I, um, shall I offer a word of thanks and blessing? That would be great. Let us pray. Gracious God, we thank you for all of the saints who light our path, who have led us in this quest to Build your beloved community. We thank you for their examples of love and kindness, their teaching by word and by deed. And we ask that you send us your Holy Spirit, that we may remain in the memory of their presence and their love, that we may act in your love for one another and in humility continue to work to build this kingdom rather than to build up our own knowledge and lord it over others we ask all this in the name of jesus christ our lord amen Amen. you want to bless us on out of here friends may you go in grace to love and serve the lord by loving and serving one another amen Amen. Um, Hey, Alan, today, the day that we're recording is Chocolate Cheesecake Day. As you know, I'm following the holidays this year. Um, But I'm especially looking forward to tomorrow, which is National Kazoo Day. Oh, I am so glad we are recording today and not (laughs) tomorrow. I would so have my kazoo ready if we were recording tomorrow. I know you would. (laughs) so enjoy that. Enjoy that. Um, Yeah. Next week, we have the celebration of Groundhog Day, which we've been, I feel like every day has been Groundhog Day, like the movie since uh, last year. 
This whole year isn't a very Bill Murray vibe about it. <laughs> Indeed. Thanks for joining us on Soft Idolatry. For show notes and more information, check out our website at softidolatry.com. To send us questions or comments, you can email us at info at softidolatry.com. And if you'd like to help support this podcast, please become a patron at www.patreon.com slash softidolatry. That's Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N. <laughs>